Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So, the 20 starts off, uh, this 20 really only consists of two uh, ongoing plot lines that are occurring at the same time. We start off with Anakin being as big of a supervillain as possible uh, on his lava planet, telling Darth Sidious that he's accomplished his goal. Uh, Padme is on her way, landing on Mustafar to meet him, and in our other time, we have the Emperor receiving Anakin's message as Yoda bursts into his office. Uh, so Padme eventually lands on Mustafar. Obi-Wan is also stowed aboard, which she knows, but she's kind of strategically keeping that a secret while she just has a little chit-chat with Anakin. She tells him that she's heard some terrible things about him turning to the dark side and killing younglings. He at first seems to be like... Uh, kind of kind of not so much denying it, but essentially accusing Obi-Wan of trying to turn her against him. Uh, and then she slowly realizes through his calming of her and his weirdly calm demeanor that maybe he has turned to the dark side, and that's when he spots Obi-Wan on the ship. Yes, his lust for power and his anger clearly gets the best of him here, uh, and despite all of the reasons why he turned to the dark side, uh, he's quickly realizing that it's not being appreciated, and when you t turn to the dark side, you know, your anger starts to snowball. So he gets really mad, chokes out Padme, uh, gets in a bit of a confrontation with Obi-Wan, uh, they decide they're not going to be able to, you know come to a conclusion with just an argument, so they pull out their lightsabers and begin the most epic duel ever. Uh, Yoda knocks down Palpatine's royal guards, uh, they throw a little bit of shade back and forth, then they throw a little bit of force powers back and forth, and then they also begin a lightsaber duel. And then we spend the next 10 or 12 minutes kind of cutting between these two very different but very powerful lightsaber duels. The one on Mustafar involving uh, our two youngins is really acrobatic and very... Uh, contrasted and very emotional. Meanwhile, the Sidious Yoda duel is kind of uh, more stereotypically heroic slash supervillain uh, and it's a little bit cornier. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the Sidious Yoda duel ends a little bit quicker. Ultimately, it ends in a big eruption of dark force power. Uh, both of them kind of get blown back and Yoda escapes into the ventilation. Yes, escapes, but in his mind it's a failure because Darth Sidious was not defeated and Yoda lost his lightsaber. Uh, we cut back to Mustafar. This duel keeps going on and on and on. Uh, it seems like every couple minutes that looks like one of them could beat the other one. Uh, Obi-Wan's hardcore on the defensive, but it's very evenly matched. Uh, it looks like uh, Obi-Wan's gotten away from Anakin, but Anakin pulls off some Tarzan-like moves. Um, Obi-Wan truly realizes that he's failed Anakin, uh, and in a last-ditch effort to gain the high ground, uh, he kind of flips off uh, and does get the high ground over Anakin. Uh, Anakin decides that he's going to try and pull his master's classic move and take out uh, Obi-Wan the way Obi-Wan took out Darth Maul. Obi-Wan knows this isn't a good call, and Obi-Wan cuts off Anakin's three remaining limbs. And of course, uh, we finish the 20 with the very uh, miserable and emotional and devastating uh, uh, pleas between these two former brothers, uh, both basically uh, realizing that they'll be at odds uh, until the end of their days. Anakin is defeated and charred on this fiery shore, and Obi-Wan is uh, fighting back tears, ultimately takes uh, Anakin's Graflex lightsaber and leaves him to die uh, in the in the, the fiery um, mess on Mustafar. And, and that's where we end. Ross, I, I really want to mention something you just mentioned that has never occurred to me, which is that 
Anakin does try to regain the high ground via Obi-Wan's great Darth Maul move. Do you think that was on purpose? Yeah. Oh, 100%. That's why Obi-Wan says, don't try it, because he knows what he's doing. It's like, oh, all those times you taught me, I'm going to just take you down with your own move. It's, it's just the most arrogant thing in the world that he does. And yeah, I very much see it as um, a callback to that moment. So what is it about Obi-Wan that he was able to pull it off as such a young Jedi, but Anakin couldn't pull it off, considering Anakin at this point is much more powerful than Obi-Wan was in The Phantom Menace? Uh, because that's the whole, I think, point of Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan learns from experience. Obi-Wan is the constant learner of really the entire original six movies. Uh, his character is the one that progresses the most in terms of his opinion changes. Uh, but Luke kind of becomes that character now as well for the entire saga because he also has those changes uh, come to The Last Jedi. And, and I really like that specifically about Obi-Wan because he's learning more, whereas Anakin, it is the arrogance that's gotten the better of him. That's why he thinks he can do it. The reason why Obi-Wan was able to do it was because he completely gave in to the Force. He completely let the Force control it and did the one thing that Qui-Gon would have done. And that ultimately helped him out, whereas Darth Maul was just being super cocky, waving his lightsaber around. Obi-Wan wasn't waving his lightsaber around. He was ready. And that's where the fault was. Ultimately, cockiness is what does you in in these situations. Yeah, and I saw something funny the other day, and I have to mention it, uh, because Obi-Wan so frequently has the high ground and how that's a big thing. Uh, But someone mentioned on Reddit, well, he is, uh, Ewan McGregor is from Scotland, so forever he will have the high ground as a (laughs) Highlander. That's that's so funny. (laughs) Why did it take us so long to realize that? Uh, because he's apparently part of, he's from the lowlands in Scotland, so it's not actually, he's not actually a Highlander. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen but, train spotting, he's not from any, like, <laughs> ritzy area. No, so, I, but it is really funny, and I'm shocked that, uh, that nobody had not noticed that before. But yeah, that, that final scene, I did just want to kind of finish off kind of on that note, but that is in my, that is my favorite moment in Star Wars, that final it, scene. It's, uh... Truly devastating. I think that it's fair to say that oh, that Ewan McGregor saves the prequels and he's the best part of the prequels. But if not for yep. this scene, I don't know if we would be saying that. Like, I think that this one scene does a lot of repair on the entire I, trilogy. I completely agree. And I think this one scene carries about 10 times the weight that it does if you've also seen The Clone Wars too. Uh, oh, wow. Because you see so much more of this brotherly relationship and just how upsetting it is. Like, there's a point in The Clone Wars where Anakin thinks Obi-Wan's dead. And it's devastating. Really? He is just devastated. It destroys him. And when he finds out that the Jedi Council forced Obi-Wan to not let him, not tell him, keep him in the dark, it's just another one of these moments of like, are you fucking kidding me, these guys? And so it, it's, it's, you start to see kind of these... You, other instances where Anakin's trust has been broken in the Jedi Order, but that the brotherly love that the two of them had never really strayed. Like, that was very pure throughout the entire time and why it's, it's so sad that, uh, that it's now gone and that they're completely, like you said, at odds and that he absolutely hates him with everything that he has because he's given into the dark side and ultimately he doesn't have anything else that there's there's no other feeling to have towards Obi Wan. Well, let me put it like this: about is the things he was angry for. Right. Let me put it like this: the opposite of love is not 
hate the opposite of love is indifference right and he exactly. has loved he has loved obi-wan for so long he's not capable of like feeling indifferent about him if he's going to be at odds with obi-wan he's going to have to repurpose all of that passion yep you're right and that and that's a very good way of putting it and he has that same passion for obi-wan for the longest period of time and i mean we'll get a chance to talk about some of that stuff a little bit later on but this scene it, it really really has a lot and i think uh, they could they could have done a little bit better of a job of really showing you the the inflaming of Anakin's yellow eyes uh, yeah. as he as he gets angry because you do kind of notice that there's a couple points where you can see it flickers back between blue and yellow and it's uh, I think they w- it would be better served to be a little bit more obvious about that. Um, and I was looking I, for I think, it and I couldn't really see that. Oh, I did I, I did see it, but it's it's a little bit more subtle uh, and it's also because Anakin's. Uh, eyes remain blue for a good chunk of the fight as well so um that's one other thing to consider but for i guess kind of that big giant fight between anakin and obi-wan um that thing is is damn incredible holy shit it's unreal it's unreal (laughs) and it's like it surely was all green screen which i I mean it's hard to imagine because uh, so so many of our lightsaber duels have been very practical uh but it is not like like so much uh special effects in star wars and it's a very uh controversial subject it's really not robbed because it's special effects it's very well done yeah no it's incredible the one i hate is the tarzan swinging i really really hate that part yeah. But other other than that, I there's not a single part. Uh, maybe Anakin doing that incredible jump and landing on the droid in the lava being a little too, like, are you kidding me? But um, especially as he didn't land the jump a few minutes later going over Obi-Wan. It's a pretty uh, cocky, it's like an all or nothing move to jump on it that. It really little, is. That little fire skateboard. I know. So, I mean, that didn't really work. But, I mean, other than that, some people complain about the over acrobatics. I totally totally disagree Uh, i think they would be so in sync with each other that it would make sense that they would be trying everything they possibly could to pull the wool over on the other anakin's the one who does all the acrobatics obi-wan's acrobatics are purely out of necessity that come from defense obi-wan's hardcore on the defense and none of the kind of ridiculous moves uh come from him they come from anakin except for that one time where they're both playing chicken which i do actually quite like You, Anakin. I have failed you. I should have known the Jedi were plotting to take over. Anakin, Chancellor Palpatine is evil. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. So tell me why Obi-Wan so feels that he's failed Anakin. Like, from my POV, there's really no mincing words. Like, it's a bummer that his his Padawan and his friend has turned to the dark side. But there's truly nothing Obi-Wan could have done about it. And in fact, he tried really hard in these recent weeks to lure his friend away from Palpatine. Um, I, I disagree. I, I think Obi-Wan has failed Anakin. Uh, not in a way that takes any of the real fault away from Anakin. The fault is still on Anakin, but uh, Obi-Wan has failed him in the sense that I do believe Qui-Gon would have prevented Anakin from turning to the dark side. I think Obi-Wan did not realize early enough um, and did not go out on a limb, like didn't go out on a limb uh, for Anakin enough, uh, enough times to really show that faith in him that he needed. And so as much as that's not really fair to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan should have seen some of this stuff coming and he should have done a better job of allowing Anakin's anger to be kind of dealt with in different ways. 
uh, and ways in which he could have really seen why decisions were made from the Jedi Council, because Anakin is kept in the dark on way too much shit. There is no reason or right for him to have been kept in the dark the way he was, considering the things they'd asked of him. And so... I, I do agree with Anakin in that regard, and I, and I think that's a little bit what, where Obi-Wan's taking some of the blame. Uh, but in the same vein, he never should have been so easily susceptible. In the script initially, his line is, um, I have failed you. Uh, I forgot to teach you to think. Uh, and Yeah, <laughs> or think for yourself, one of the two. Um, because it really, he, he, at this point, he also does believe that it's just like, I can't believe Palpatine just was, it was so easy to manipulate you. Is it because like, it, was it really that strict of like, that you had to go this far to break the rules to like, kind of get noticed. You had to kill right. us all, uh, just to kind of prove your point. Like, that's like, I'm going to take a little responsibility on this, but God damn it. You were the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Well, but guess, also he sees it as he screwed up the chosen one. Like it should not have been this result. He can't believe it. You were, spo- you were supposed to destroy the Sith uh, and bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. All these things. So, do we still witness that guilt in Ben Kenobi in uh, Episode Four? Is there any way to like look through that Alec Guinness uh, performance and and see how he's kind of evoking some kind of guilt over over Darth Vader? I mean, considering first no. of all that 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 actor did not know what was going on. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. And I think that's uh, once again what we'll get to kind of a little bit in a little bit as well. Um, but I really think Obi Wan in this instance. Um, well, I know in this instance he thinks that Luke is the chosen one. He has lost faith that Anakin is the chosen one. And so I believe that also at this point, like because they say in Return of the Jedi, uh, Vader says to Luke, Obi Wan once thought as you did. Uh, in reference to being able to turn him back, but we don't ever actually see that. Is this like conversation they have on Mustafar really that moment? Because it doesn't seem like it. And so it's kind of hard to tell there because Obi-Wan really seems like only a master of evil, Darth, more machine than man. He, he really sees Anakin as gone at this point. Uh, yeah. And that's why it's so special that Luke... Um, still has that faith in his father because like Obi-Wan's well the emperor's already won if you are willing to go back and and try and save Vader you must defeat him he is he's gone or he wasn't so I have become more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of is spoken by Anakin in this 20 and it really feels like a Darth Vader line yeah, it is. And him using the force choke on Padme is an excellent, excellent choice. Well, I wondered about that. I mean, like, I guess it kind of is. But I also, again, it kind of feels like something he he knee-jerked into pretty quickly. Like a second yes. ago, he was having one of his final tender moments as a human. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, ah, choke you unconscious. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that um, his rise to supervillain status is so fast quickly here like you don't just be like oh okay you're against me i'm gonna kill the mother of my children or choke her out at the moment uh yeah it's it's absolutely too sudden but the use of it being a force choke is a really nice it's nice to see him use a signature move right what do you think about that uh back and forth between uh anakin and padme because what i thought it really demonstrated is that uh i mean i think it's some of her better acting in in this movie Uh, but the dialogue is really bad I don't believe what I'm hearing. Hobie, Mom was right. You've changed. Yeah, I don't think the acting is necessarily great or the dialogue either there. Um, I think it shows Anakin's delusion really well, though. 
I don't know. I think, uh, I think that he had like, he had a real uh, expression when he was trying to calm her down and talk her uh, in, into how everything is going to be fine, that he's going to overthrow the empire. And then she has this realization come over her. I thought there was nuance in, in it from both of them. And I was kind of impressed. Yeah, I mean, I guess that realization moment, I definitely, you can definitely see that look in her eyes. You also said that you that she knew Obi-Wan was aboard. I don't believe she did. Oh, okay. Maybe he snuck aboard? Yeah, I believe that's the point, because he leaves Padme to be like, I'm so sorry. Uh, but then I think he sneaks aboard her ship, and uh, she's just going to go with 3PO. But Obi-Wan's like, whew, good thing I went. What did Obi-Wan think he was doing when he came to... Did he think he was going to be able to talk Anakin off the ledge? I, I think he went with the exact intentions that occurred. I think he, the goal was to talk to him. If everything appeared to be true, he would do what he must and that he would try and kill him and that he knew he would either die trying or he would get lucky and not have to kill him but be able to disable him potentially and result in his death. He got really close on that one in terms of the death part, but... Uh, right. I, I think that's I think that's kind of what he was going for. I think he he went he tried to see if there was a, a, an opportunity to make a plea. Didn't look like it, and so he was okay. Well, I'm gonna have to try and kill you then. What did Anakin mean when he referred to it as his empire? I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire. Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. What do you mean by, uh, what does he mean by that? I think it's, uh, I think it's a good line. I think it shows how Anakin, I think it reflects back to some of the things he said in, like, Attack of the Clones, even. Like, uh, he thinks that... There should be people who are decision makers who can just get things done and move things along, regardless if that's an autocratic dictatorship. And he kind of sees that as, well, I, I didn't necessarily need it to be me or want it to be me, but... Yeah, no, I mean, well, speci- like, I mean I guess specifically if- when he calls it his empire, though. Like, just a moment oh, ago, he has, told, he has yeah. told Padme, one day I can throw over uh, uh, Palpatine. Exactly. But also, like, that, that's this is the I, first time he's said anything like that. Up until now, he's been completely subservient to Palpatine. Yes and no, because he also knows that both sides betrayed him. So he's seeing this as an opportunity the exact same way he does in The Empire Strikes Back. He wants to rule the galaxy as husband and wife, or, as he later says, as father and son. He wants to overthrow the Emperor. This is his opportunity. He sees it as, wait a minute, both you guys betrayed me. Now, Palpatine's given me a way better offer for the future because he's basically saying, well, your colleagues betrayed you hardcore, but at least I want to bring peace and I can actually end this war because your colleagues are being Looney Tunes. And on top of that, you'll get a really nice promotion as essentially like the head of all the force and all being a badass and all being like a famous superstar Jedi. You get to be essentially the poster boy for all that is good in military and the force. And that's a pretty enticing offer for Anakin. He doesn't realize soon that he's going to be strapped up into a metal machine and hate everything that he ever stood for before and not even want to consider his own name to be Anakin Skywalker and have no association with that life or his old wife. Uh, But in this specific moment, I think it's him thinking that he can be in a position where he's just like 
Bail Organa, kind of like one of those where he'll just turn into a essentially a politician, but maybe from a military perspective, and he'll work closely with Palpatine until maybe he sees an opportunity where Palpatine is, you know, maybe pushing too too far into the dictatorship area that Anakin doesn't doesn't necessarily agree with. So who knows? But I really do see this as Anakin thinking, okay, well, if you guys are all gonna be crazy. I will, I guess I'll have to take that role as the person who will make decisions for the better of the galaxy. Okay, I'm going to rattle off a couple of lines. I want you to tell me if you think they're cool lines or corny lines. Sure. Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. Might be the corniest one in the 20. <laughs> Although to be fair, it, 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 it is kind of representative of what you're just saying about them being the emperor and the empress together. Like, look, us being in love is not enough anymore. Yep. We need to be forceful. Yeah, no, and that's, that's absolutely true. It's that power-hungry perspective. It's not anything other than it's just like, look, I got these new powers. They can do it. Don't worry. Quote, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. I have that as really one of the only lines that I see as a take back between the I have failed you and you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you. Like that that full chunk there is golden. But from my point of view, the Jedi are evil is a little too far because you can't say the Jedi are evil. You were a Jedi half an hour ago. Calm down. It's so clunky. Uh, Let me see what else do I have here. Uh, Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Like that's a problematic line because it's an absolute. It is. I, I hate that line for that reason as well. There's a lot of absolutes. There are like every damn line that's a concrete. Yeah, you um, shouldn't write a line like that because you're just setting yourself up for uh, exceptions to the rule. Okay, it's George Lucas. Let's not think about <laughs> thinking ahead here with dialogue. Come on. So Padme uh, arrives on Mustafar and she says to, to Anakin, Obi-Wan told me terrible things. And Anakin says, What things? What things? What do you think, dipshit? <laughs> well, I think at this point, he's probably trying to get away with it. He's probably trying to think, okay, does she know that, like, I turned on the Jedi, or does she know that, like, I murdered little kids? Because then she won't let me stay home with the kids, and we'll have to get, like, some form of, like, social services involved. Cool or corny? I have waited a long time for this moment, my little green friend. Cool. I liked that one. I like it, too, although my biggest problem with Palpatine in this 20 is he was leaning a little bit too hard in the direction of Wicked Witch of the West. It was, and he's a little too, like, big-looking. He should look scrawnier. I don't like how, like, cumbersome and wide he looks in this 20. And well, you mentioned to before, Yoda. but... Sorry? Respective to Yoda, he's pretty big. <gasps> That's true, but he also looks a little chubby, I find, uh, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, like, he looks more frail, in, and I know it's several, several years later, but he looks more frail in the, uh, in the start of this movie and in Return of the Jedi than true. he does in the end of this movie. I guess you could say he's under swelling from the recent electrocution, but who knows? <laughs> but uh, but I, you did mention before about the acrobatics. Yoda is insanely acrobatic on that uh, on that Senate uh, kind of pod. Yeah, so there is right. definitely a lot of acrobatics still even in this, but it's a much close quarters fight, whereas the other ones are very sprawling. I think they kind of missed an opportunity to better develop the relationship between Senator slash Chancellor Palpatine and Yoda. Like, definitely. this could be a lot more impactful if these two had kind of a fraught relationship in politics. Yeah, there's some good uh, kind of dialogue between the two characters in The Clone Wars. Uh, and there's certain there's certainly one episode in particular uh, 
which is kind of Yoda's lost force journey where he really kind of he learns about uh, a little bit more about the wills and about how Qui-Gon's learned how to become a force ghost and he has a kind of a, a tormented force vision sequence where he has to fight um, Palpatine and he has a force vision conversation with Darth Bane like it's a, it's a very cool sequence but like that episode does play a little bit well and kind of Yoda's realization that the biggest Sith Lord of all time is right under his nose and that he just can't see who's under the cowl. Right. And that Sidious finds it fucking hilarious that Yoda can't figure it out. Speaking of the cowl and and further to what you said about uh, Palpatine's Sidious's uh, physicality in this scene, it is combatively impractical to do this lightsaber duel with your hood up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, under no circumstances. And... uh, I don't know. I guess it's pure. Like he looks, he looks ridiculous without the hood on. So I guess they kind of have to keep it up. But yeah, you're right. You can't see anything, so that's pretty stupid. So we agree that the Mustafar duel is one of the great lightsaber battles of all time. Where does this Yoda Sidious duel rank? Pretty clear. Pretty close to the bottom, in my opinion. Oh uh, wow! I, I would definitely put um, the Yoda and Dooku one below it for sure. Sure. Uh, no two way. No two ways about that. But uh, I put an awful lot of them ahead of it, really, because it's just, it's boring. It's not that interesting. There are, like, some serious lightsaber fights out there, like, whether it's Kylo versus Rey, um, or the, um, what is it called, Duel of the Fates, or any of the Vader versus Obi-Wan, Vader versus Luke, Vader versus Luke again. Um, like, part of the problem there is are so that these, many... these characters are both, like, really important characters, but... At the end of the day, they're secondary characters. But like you said before also, the relationship wasn't developed overly. All right. those kind of instances, all the ones that I just listed off, which are the better duels in Star Wars, are all deep relationships, meaningful relationships. Whereas this, they are people of intense power, and they play kind of similar roles, but their relationship we don't see running overly deep. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Did I did you, did like you... one line from Yoda, though, is uh, when Sidious is trying to leave and Yoda says, You're so powerful, you are. Why leave? <laughs> is that a bit of a, a thing with Siths? Do they run? Yeah, a little bit. They're extremely selfish and kind of scared. Uh, it's just an opportunity. But at the same time, we don't know a whole lot about Siths in canon other than... These two right here, Vader and, and Palpatine. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see maybe some more uh, badass Sith in the in kind of the old Republic era, whereas maybe there's going to be some that are a little bit more takes no prisoners. One more corny or cool. Into exile I must go, failed I have. I think it's appropriate. It's a little expository is the only problem. Yeah, I guess. But Yoda is. That's a lot of his lines are, so. Yep, that's true. Uh, yeah, I think definitely the name of the episode has to be You Were My Brother, Anakin. You were my brother, Anakin! I loved you! There's a lot of good contenders for episode titles. Yep, You Were the Chosen One. That's That would certainly work. Uh, I have the high you ground. You Are Lost. Uh, I Have the High Ground. You Underestimate My Power. <laughs> I always thought it was I Have the Higher Ground, and it's, it's clearly a high ground. No, it's high ground, yeah. Like, as if it's like... A thing like, aha, I got the chalice. <laughs> right. The high ground. Yeah. Uh, well, and he's also not on ground at this point. Anakin's floating on a little pod that has like this weird force glow to it. Do you know why that is? Uh, no, I don't. 
likely it's just um, some form of protective gravi- gravitational pro- like I don't know jet to make sure that it doesn't uh, sink below the surface. Who knows? Any other thoughts on this twenty? Um, there's not really a whole lot to say. I mean, I absolutely. Uh, adore this 20 it's one of the best 20s in the entire prequels yeah it's beautiful uh, especially yeah. that that final moment there's really not a whole lot to say about it though um yeah it's it's an excellent 20 okay so do you want to move on to the news yeah sure i mean we didn't we weren't able to do really trivia for this one so let's uh why not all right well we have a we have a lot kind of in the news world so uh let's start off with uh let's start off with episode nine okay uh, episode nine, JJ uh, has a little quote here. Uh, you have to determine that for yourself. Uh, I really can't uh, wait for you to see it. There are a lot of words we hope you'll feel. Obviously, the biggest and most important one I think is satisfied. So that's oh, his great. goal. The goal is yeah. to provide us with satisfaction. So that's nice to see, and yep. not surprising. But at least they're keeping that in mind. There'll be a lot of fan service in this movie. I really imagine. Satisfaction is a, is a loaded word because in order for Star Wars fans to be satisfied, they need to make a masterpiece of a Star Wars movie. So satisfaction yeah. kind of sounds like a clinical word, but it, it's a loaded word. Yeah, no, I think it's the right way to describe it. I mean, it doesn't need to be necessarily like a, like a romp. It doesn't necessarily need to be a big action thing. It, doesn't need, it, it needs to just be good and it needs to have an ending that people are satisfied with it doesn't need to have people be elated but it need to have it needs to have everyone satisfied or at least the majority exactly uh uh trailer it's going to be coming in april so that's going to be another little while to wait uh, yep, it's it attached is. to avengers endgame uh most likely it'll be announced and first launched at star wars celebration uh, so that's not really surprising at this point that they're going to wait that long. I'd be curious if they're going to wait that long on the title as well, if they're going to kind of announce it with the trailer or if they're going to do that prior to. I assume they'll do it prior to because that's always what they've done in the past. But then again, this is kind of a big deal. So, Isn't it possible they could give us a trailer in celebration in April, but like a little teaser trailer in March? I would love that, but I don't think so. No? Okay. Uh, no, I think, uh, I think if they're going to do anything before then, it would be a title. Yeah, well, it has to be, right? Yeah, you would think, but who knows? This is uh, getting... Clo- I think this is getting to be one of the closest um, before a title reveal, at least. So, Oh, definitely. There's no precedent for like the final installment of the Star Wars uh, Skywalker no. saga. They're just trying to retain as God, much secrecy no. as possible, Yep, and I'm okay with it. Yep, I am too. Um, but there are certain things I would... I, a title is one I would certainly like. Because that For allows sure. you to do a little bit more, have a little bit more fun in your speculation. Uh, yeah, something to chew on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but uh, John Boyega did get his uh, his set gift from Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, okay. She gave, she gave him his blaster that he uses in episode nine. So that's kind of cool. Okay, so uh, what is this? She gives everybody a prop that represents their... their work with the series i guess so that's kind of nice i guess yeah i mean i think it's just in general because it's star wars that i know they sell a lot of the uh the merchandise for to, to go to charity and there's other things like that and some stuff has to go in like museums and shit uh, yeah that's true so i think there's a, like kind of they don't get the ability to just take that item that matters to them from set i think there is kind of a like they go to their way to select like okay this is an important item that would be good but that way you don't have them going and stealing a couple random items here and there and being like, well, shit, who stole the, you know, Luke's Graflex? 
or the right. kyber crystal inside. Yes, and who's getting like rich off you know, like the black market? Yeah, I mean, and my guess is in a lot of those cases that wouldn't be so much um, people wanting to sell it. Uh, no, it's just to have. In, in the in the case of big in the big stars at least. Yeah. Uh, uh, he also got a gift from uh, Daisy Ridley. Uh, apparently, he's a huge fan of the Amazing Spider-Man series. Okay. <laughs> those those two movies, and so she got him a, a vial from uh, from Oscorp Industries. That's really bizarre. So does, it's does very he, bizarre. Sure he likes those movies, or he likes the comic book series Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know, but it's a vial from the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I'm pretty sure it's the movies that he likes. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> it is. It's odd, but very nice. It's it's both of those things, yes. Yep. Uh, so, Carrie Russell, uh, there's no real word as to the kind of character that she'll be playing, uh, but recently there was a bit of a rumor that she'll be playing a bounty hunter whose okay. allegiance it kind of remains unclear. So, that's a little bit interesting. Apparently, she'll be in kind of a purple and gold uh, jumpsuit with a helmet, uh, very similar to Zam Wessel from Attack of the Clones, but you know, more updated and better looking. Purple and gold um, doesn't really sound like something that would blend into the shadows. No, it doesn't. But then again, think, remember kind of Zam's look? It was a very dark purple, and it says goldish bronze here, so maybe it'll be more of kind of like a, a rusted look. Who knows? Yeah, okay. I'm not quite sure how that character is going to fit in or where what kind of place it would be, but that's kind of interesting. Uh, there is one also rumor that DJ could be back in a small role. Uh, and maybe this would be the introduction of Carrie, Carrie Russell's character, but the DJ could be back in a small role as he in association with the Huts. I completely so forgot he, that Benicio del Toro's name was DJ, and that yeah. is the cherry on the shit ice cream sundae that is that character. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, <laughs> the character's name is DJ only because he doesn't have a name, and his uh, his motto is "Don't join," and so he's DJ. Oh, okay. Yeah, the character doesn't have a name. His hat says, don't join on it. And that's kind of his motto all throughout the whole thing. Don't pick a side. Don't join. All right. Okay. There's going to be the return of Ninam. And he's going to have, apparently, uh, his biggest role since Return of the Jedi. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> all right. Okay. Looking forward to that. Yep. My guess is because Lando's back, it, makes, it only makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Naomi Aki's character, uh, there's a rumor now that potentially it could be Finn's sister. I think that's probably a garbage rumor. There was a lot of rumors a while back about a casting of a character under the name of Caro, which I believe has now been changed to Vera, and this would be Lando's daughter. So I, I believe Naomi Aki's going to be playing a Vera Calrissian, Lando's daughter, and not Finn's sister. Um, also, this is a cool one. So Fanthatrax, which is a kind of a Star Wars reporting uh, site, so it's a very cool name, uh, and they have a theory. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's the first one that I've really, really liked that I've seen online. Uh, and you know how before I've been really curious and how I think there's a deeper meaning behind Trixie? Yes. As the kind of set title name. What if Trixie is a reference to the famous line, Trixie Hobbitses from Andy Serkis referring to the trickery of the hobbits and that maybe it's the return of Snoke that's the reference for it. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that is kind of reaching, but I'm on board. It's... It, it's kind of reaching, but I mean, Trixie, a little bit of trickery, but obviously with Andy Serkis's voice, it seems like it yeah. could be kind of good. Yeah, for sure. 
it, it's the only thing that makes sense that I've heard uh, <laughs> from an online source. Uh, I had to look up friggin' horse racing bets to come up with the only thing that I could possibly think made sense, and that didn't make as much sense as this. So, and There's a very um, good chance it won't make any sense to us without more knowledge about this movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there was a little while back kind of a, a leak of stickers that went around the internet and there, that included like Dominic Monaghan being like a likely resistance person uh, and Richard E. Grant in the First Order. Uh, there was also a couple other things that have kind of bubbled up since then. Uh, there's Kylo Ren's helmet that uh, is cracked with all kind of the red adhesive attaching it together. And then there's also Kylo Ren in his mask, uh, but kind of like the full uh, body image of him. And there's a stupid rumor going around, and I apologize for calling it stupid, but it is, that that's not actually Kylo Ren, and that potentially it's like Matt Smith or somebody else in his outfit who have take, who's taken up his mantle. But uh. you can clearly see the lightsaber in his hand. It's his lightsaber. It's Kylo Ren still. That's absolutely still Kylo Ren. Well, why would somebody have taken up his mantle? At the end of episode eight, he is in charge. He is in charge, but that's why it's, some people thought it was a little weird that he's in charge and that he's, like, the same style as he always was. Uh, he doesn't have anything different, and just it didn't show necessarily growth. I, I said this is a terrible room. I don't think this makes any sense personally. No, it doesn't. That's how, silly. How, how, however, I did see someone point out on Reddit, uh, and this is a more interesting rumor in my opinion, or a more – I guess it's not a rumor at all. It's a theory, sorry. Uh, and that could be that one of the uh, kind of leaked stickers shows – a really like terrifying nightmare before Christmas looking guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's got, he's got a really big chin in the picture. Uh, it's something you have to zoom in really close to see, but he's like kind of this weird, terrifying alien guy that very well could be a Knight of Ren. Uh, and his big chin really is reminiscent of Matt Smith. And so seeing as Matt Smith isn't on any of those stickers, you don't get to see where his character could be. You do see an alien with a big chin it's a decent uh, it's a decent guess, in my opinion. I, I saw it. I see what you mean. I wouldn't say the chin is the only reason. Like, like I don't know if that's quite enough to, to make that leap, but I hear you. I also think he's a Knight of Ren. I think it's he's got to be. Uh, they're clearly returning. There needs to be some force of a Knight of Ren. You're not just going to have them be stupid characters who are going to die off like the Praetorian Guards did yep. uh, in just like a quick little bit of time. They need to have some emphasis. There needs to be at least one or two of them who are either antagonizing Kylo in some way or are his, like, top henchmen. So, I, and I assume Matt Smith is going to be one of those guys because he just well, plays a... He just yeah. has a bad guy look. And we cast a bunch of people for this movie, so they might as well play some characters. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, kind of some of the other rumors that I wanted to, uh, to mention, and I referenced a few times a little bit earlier... But uh, last week we talked about uh, potential for a Lando or a Kira and a Finn and Poe series. Now, along those lines, there have been a bunch more rumors. So what I believe has actually happened is these were rumors uh, of kind of leaks pertaining to pitches, not necessarily projects. Okay. Uh, and so in addition to those, it's also been rumored a leak of a Rose Tico show, a Phasma show, a Knights of Ren show, a Darth Bane show. And last but certainly not least, and this one has an asterisk by it, an Obi-Wan show. And so that's really, really interesting. I personally believe these are all leaks of um, pitches except for the Obi-Wan one. Uh, I do believe the Obi-Wan one is accurate because it came from a different leak source. Star Wars Newsnet, I think, was the one that broke that. 
and it's also rumored to be six episodes, like clearly already stated at six episodes, adapted from uh, the movie script that was initially prepared prior to Solo. Uh, Ewan McGregor was at the premiere for Solo. Um, it just, a lot of things align there that make sense, and of all of the big streaming service items, if you're going to try and bring people towards Disney+, Plus, not everybody knows what The Mandalorian is. If you were to go and ask a random person on the street what's The Mandalorian, the odds of them saying it's Star Wars related are not necessarily high. That you're right. absolutely applies with Cassian Andor. However, Obi-Wan Kenobi sure as shit that doesn't apply. And, and Obi-Wan show... To come Yes. It's, if, you want, it's yeah, a, if you want people to come to your show. streaming service. Yeah, exactly. It's an anchor, and it's the kind of thing that who knows what the plot will be, but it's one of two things. It's either going to be a, like a Western style of him protecting Luke like the book was, or it's going to be a return of Vader again, and bringing Vader to the streaming service would be insane. So yeah, it would. Now I I don't know. Like I I think a lot of those other ones like they're never going to do a Rose show or a Phasma show. Maybe a Knights of Ren show I might would... be interesting, but I guess that kind of remains to be seen. We've got episode nine coming out this year. We'll learn a little bit more about them. The thing about the Obi Wan thing is I have no I have no shortage of faith that they're going to do Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan eventually, but I'm reluctant to dive right in on any of these theories because it seemed like a sure thing before. Like, we've been down this road. Yeah, I think it was a sure thing before in terms of it was it was far along into development, but just didn't get the green light it expected to get. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily, but I do have a little bit more information on that that could make it seem a little bit more encouraging. Okay. Uh, and so that is according to Fanthatrax as well. Uh, two Star Wars production companies were registered in October last year. Uh, one is for a television series and one is for a movie. So that means that two projects have at least been registered as like companies have been created for said projects. So that means that they're at least more along than the random concept. It is also believed that this television show is not the Cassian show, so that it would be an additional show, which leads me to believe it's the Obi-Wan one. Okay. Uh, and then also, on the movie side of things, who knows? Could be the Ryan Johnson or could be the Benny Offenweiss. Well, I'm excited. I am too. The Darth Bane concept of a television show gets me super excited because that can really open up like kind of that whole other era, and that would be really interesting. Yeah, I don't know like, a lot about him. Two, yeah, but the rule of two broken out uh, kind of in a television format to see how the Sith turned against each other and how Darth Bane brought down the entire Sith Order just to have it as himself and his apprentice. It could be a really, really interesting way to get people um, to kind of open open the doors for some, some new movies and some series along those lines. So I think it could be quite exciting. Okay. Um, other than that... Really nothing else going on. Uh, the Resistance had a, a show, an episode a little while back called The Core Problem, uh, and Core referencing to Starkiller Base. So that's where Poe and Kaz, the star of the show, uh, they kind of go and they recon the construction of Starkiller Base, and essentially the plot of The Resistance is now starting to catch up to and align with and overlap with The Force Awakens. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's a I guess it maybe means the show is going to continue running and maybe it'll continue on past The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and maybe the Resistance will fill in the gaps between 8 and 9. So who knows? Does Oscar Isaac play Poe in Resistance? Yes, he does. That's cool, because that doesn't happen a lot with these voiceover parts. 
No, it doesn't. Uh, Phasma, Gwendolyn Christie also. Um, I'm not entire. I haven't watched the show, but uh, I believe Oscar Isaac is kind of the, a character who's in it like one every few episodes. Phasma maybe a little bit more frequently, um, but not in every episode, but still definitely a regular recurring character. I just wanted to say that the Academy Awards the other day and Richard E. Grant and Adam Driver both lost in the Best Supporting Actor category, which was kind of expected. And Solo didn't win in what I think was visual effects either. But Mm. Phil Lord and Chris Miller did win Academy Awards for producing Spider-Verse, and they are credited Star Wars directors. Yep. And that is good for them, and it makes it really interesting as to what that uh, what solo could have been with them. And it, uh, in all honesty, makes me wish I had seen that version because the one we saw, while it was enjoyable, it just didn't matter. And I feel nothing for it. Yeah, exactly, and th- and that's the thing. I have frustration with the Phantom Menace, and I have frustration with Attack the Clones. Both of those movies are as movies. Deeply probably flawed. not 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 probably those as movies are worse than solo but without a doubt i prefer them to solo because they matter more and yes. they have and i have a a much more important reaction to them than i do to solo 100 percent. yeah so you got all right i think i think that's everything uh okay. shorter episode this week I want to wish a couple happy birthdays this friday uh march 1st a happy birthday to lupita nyongo ah yes uh, Happy next birthday, Maz. Monday, March 4th is Ross Arsenault's birthday. That's you? Yeah, that is me. <laughs> and then the day after, uh, March 5th, is Jake Lloyd. Ah, Jake Lloyd. Happy birthday to Jake Lloyd. Uh, the one, the, one of the sadder Star Wars family members, I guess you would yeah, say. I, th- I think that's probably safe to say. I wonder if we'll ever see Jake Lloyd again. Like, will he ever have like a Macaulay Culkin comeback where he's like, isn't it crazy that I, I was a child star? I'm okay now. I don't think so. I think he. Uh, I think he has some. I, I know he has some mental health issues, and uh, I think. Yeah, he but might who doesn't? Have, no, but I, no. I think like some serious. I think he may have like schizophrenia um, potentially. Right. I don't want to necessarily say that if that's not the case, but uh, I know that he has some serious mental health issues, and that he's also had some serious law issues. So no, I don't think we'll be seeing a, a return. But it's a shame that uh, mean Star Wars fan ruined that guy's life. Well, I. Uh, hope he has a happy birthday. Next yeah, Tuesday. so we'll end on a positive note with that. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So we only have 120 left uh, in episode three, Revenge of the Sith. It's a little short of a 20, but there's going to be a lot to talk about next week. So uh, if you want to be caught up to us by next week, really just finish the movie. And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts on this week's podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66 at gmail.com. Rate and review on iTunes. Uh, and until we're together again... May the force be with you.